What's up, everybody? Today, we're here. My name is Sean. And I'm Aaron. And we are the Rap Geeks. Rap Geeks, Rap Geeks, Rap Geeks. So today on the Rap Geeks, we got an album. Oh, it was do our, we? We do have an album, as expected. And this one is by underground Los Angeles-based hip-hop group called Jurassic 5. Jurassic 5, y'all. J5. This album is called Quality Control, and it has absolutely nothing to do with QC Entertainment based out of Atlanta, Georgia. In fact, Mama. Uh, That's just what uh, the Migos say. This has nothing to do with that, and this is actually, this was released on Interscope Records on June 20th, 2000. And when I heard those. Interscope supports LA a lot. They do. I mean, because they're based out of L.A. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, doesn't that make some sense? Could be. Well, go on. But I think when I saw that this was uh, Interscope Records, because Interscope has huge, huge artists like Madonna and Imagine Dragons and Summer Walker and Selena Gomez. When I when I heard that this was an Interscope album, I always thought that they were an independently released hip-hop group, Jurassic 5. When I saw that they're actually major label, I want to say my uh, my respect dropped a little bit, but, it, you know, that's well, fine. you can't hold today's standards of being an artist to back then, man. I mean, back then, there was no other way to be a rapper other than to get signed. That was really the only outlet for you. You might be right about that. Yeah, you might be right about that. It's easier. <laughs> it's easier nowadays to be independent, honestly. Um, right. Right. So Jurassic 5 is comprised of four rappers and two DJs. They have Akil, Soup, Mark 7, and Charlie Tuna. And they're accompanied by actually some legendary DJs in Cut Chemist. And DJ Newmark. And this is their year 2000, released on June 20th, exactly 20 years ago from today. Quality control. Now, Aaron and I, unfortunately, we have some similar thoughts about this album. We do, we do. We do. Do you want to start that off? Um, Yeah. Well, if you ask me, a lot of the way in look, this is not hate. I'm really not hating here. We're judging it as it is, as I sees it. I'm calling it as I sees it. All right. And so a lot of how a lot of the rap sound in the album, I would say is a little treacherous. If you know what I mean? A little treacherous three. You know what I mean? No, I it, don't get what you mean. Please please elaborate. <laughs> It goes, so you rap everybody like this, and then you go. You say a lot of nice things. It's positivity. <laughs> you know? It is it's it is old school, and I do, and I'm pretty sure that's the intent coming into it for them. And and I think I even think in a couple of verses I heard that uh, they mentioned something about how, yeah, they like to pretty much include original rap, traditional rap into what they do. Um, and this being their, is this their debut album? Um, I mean, it's still pretty early in their career. 
if that's the case. So it's like they, a lot of the remnants of their inspiration could could still be heard in their rap style. So I can imagine that being the case. Yeah, I mean, I could hear like a Biz Marquee or a Cool G rap kind of <laughs> yeah. vibe coming into this. And this is a year 2000s album when we already had guys like Eminem coming yep. into prominence. And yet here we have Jurassic <laughs> 5 rapping like this on quality control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and look, so I know for a fact that it was intentional to be like that. And that's, and that's much more respect on them to stick with that considering LA um being gangster rap they just got off gangster rap into in the year 2000 well if anything it transitioned into what would be then like you know early um like game or something like that right right um but at like this that point, west coast exhibit type stuff yeah exactly and so for them to be sounding like this at that time in la you know i can imagine it being I'm sure there is a scene for it. LA, the underground scene, there's a lot of really true uh fans in that scene. And I know I know Sean, you definitely have been a part of many LA scenes growing up. Yeah, I want to elaborate on this. I feel like there's got to be some some talk about the history of Jurassic 5 and specifically what we're talking about here is a very particular scene. So, this scene where we see Jurassic 5 it descends from the story of Crenshaw and Exposition Boulevard. And there used to be a cafe. It was like a health food market and a cafe that also had an open mic that would let artists come on and perform one song at a time. And this open mic was called the Good Life Cafe. And there's actually been tons of documentaries about this, about the Good Life Cafe on Crenshaw and Exposition. This cafe was pretty important to the LA alternative hip-hop scene. And, you know, there's been some rappers you might have heard of, like The Far Side, Abstract Rude, particularly right here, Jurassic 5, was merged from two different groups that came from that Good Life Cafe, which was rebels of rhythm and unity committee and they just decided that they would come together and create jurassic five and so they're there in in that influence is actually reflected right here on this album because there was no cursing allowed in that scene at the good life cafe hmm. it was almost as if la in the late 1980s and the 90s you know kind of dissolving in the 2000s the good life cafe it was a place for really positive hip-hop to come out of it, coming out of Crenshaw, a very positive hip-hop that was different than the mm. Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, killing and drug yeah. dealing you know and what? fornicating Dude, kind of stuff. That makes so much sense. I mean, you got a place like L.A. where they were the epitome of gangster rap. If anything, the genre... Anytime you hear of the genre gangster rap, you got to think L.A. because it's all the elements of G-Funk, P-Funk um, and the West Coast uh, cruising vibes. Um, and so you have a place where gangster violence and music is that they're pretty much the leaders in that race. Um, they were. Were, right? Um, at, at the time, though, they were, right? Right. And, and so you, and you, in places like that, 
there is some overly positive stuff and exactly and it was is what I think happened in Chicago in the in 2010s right to kind of offset the drill movement that happened this is I, that's what it sounds like what you just described pretty much sounds like that to me yeah and it it is interesting because I used to live in Crenshaw so right I'm very familiar with this area and and I know that historically Crenshaw was always LA's Harlem. And what I mean by that is it was the epicenter of black culture. Now, things have certainly changed in Crenshaw throughout the years. So like in the 90s, Crenshaw was a, a very dangerous place. And it was a place with, I don't know if you're familiar with Crenshaw Mafia Crips. And nope. I mean, definitely the Crip organization had a stronghold in Crenshaw. And then the blood organization, the Pyru, had a stronghold in uh, something called the Jungles. And that's Baldwin, Baldwin Village. So this was like on, the, on Exposition, because you're going a little bit north. You're not too south of Crenshaw. You got Exposition and Crenshaw. You have this Good Life Cafe that's trying to spawn this very positive movement, right? And... People think of Crenshaw, they automatically think of Nipsey Hussle. But and at this time, this was there was a lot of black-owned businesses in Crenshaw. And right now, that is definitely not the case anymore. In fact, if you drive through Crenshaw with me and we were to explore the neighborhood, you'll notice that there's a lot of buildings that are completely empty, that have been ransacked and graffitied, and there's just not that many more black-owned businesses. There's actually just a lot of chain fast food joints now. And so this was a very interesting time where I think that it, there, there was some, some level of like Afrocentricity and African-American prosperity that was going on that maybe fueled this movement. In fact, even when Good Life Cafe came to a close, they still continued it, but they continued it under the monikers of Freestyle Fellowship and Project Blowed, which these are two major underground LA, um, two major underground LA groups, and so I think that definitely played a role in it. And another thing is, this is uh, something I wanted to point out. No one's ever going to notice this except me. If you look at the album cover, you'll see them sitting down on the intersection. And if you have a high-quality enough picture, you'll see that they're at the corner of San Vicente and La Brea. Now, not everyone knows this, but that's the corner outside of the world-famous Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Mm. So I would say a huge theme of this album is this, is this identity of being from L.A., but really disidentifying with the history of L.A. Mm, go on with that last part. Okay, so, like, when you think of L.A. rappers, I'm all, like, especially in modern day, you're thinking of gangster rap. Right. In but the I early think, 2000s, for sure, we're looking for Nate Dogg, we're looking for Corrupt. Right, Corrupt, Nate Dogg, all those guys, right? And then here is, like, Freestyle Fellowship, The Far Side, Project Blowed, Yep. All of these Crenshaw rappers. I, I don't know if Jurassic Five is from Crenshaw, but they they could not be for all I know. But you definitely see this thing where 
they're almost trying to disassociate themselves with the identity of being an LA rapper. And, and the and the funny thing is the way they rap is so New York, but it doesn't have yeah. but it doesn't have the the grittiness. It just it's a very solid but but you know what? That's what makes New York rap great is the grittiness. So when you take away the grittiness and you get this smooth kind of LA rapping with the New York lack of grittiness. This is Jurassic Five. You know, it's like <laughs> it kind of it kind of loses the the pizam. You know, it, it's just yeah. there's no more salt in that pasta. So um, yeah, I mean, there's a track in particular called L.A. U.S.D. where they actually recognize that, and and they have they have uh, they have like lyrics where they're talking about how they notice that there there's the glitz and glamour of L.A., but they oh, reject yeah, you know all what? that materialism. That I mean, do you know what the the name? of the song means Los Angeles Unified School District Oh that's a way to do it Sure but it's like lost Ah and lost. and within the song I don't remember the lyrics but you know I think they talk about the people that come to LA and stuff and kind of the dreams that most people look to do in LA but it's you know it's just a bunch of people that's lost trying to find some trying to find themselves maybe yeah, that sounds like a pretty accurate description of what LA is like, especially if you didn't grow up there and you moved there. Yeah. Would you say that there's more um people moving into LA than um from LA that that's really uh make moving the economy? Uh, okay, so <laughs> Or is that a loaded ass question? It 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 kind of is. I would say that most people living in LA are what I would call like first or second, definitely second generation LAers, which is like their parents moved there. From some other place right one thing you'll notice about la and a lot of people talk shit about this is um people besides the lakers that's the only exception people don't really care that much about their sports teams whereas like in the bay area people are fucking crazy about their sports teams the same yeah. as uh you know anywhere pretty much yeah. chicago boston they, they die for their sports teams whereas in la it's like Everyone's kind of wearing a different sports team's hat because, you know, they all come from different places or their family comes from different places. Right, right. Lakers, I mean, they got a great brand in the NBA. And, I mean, they there's you either dealing with people who absolutely hate the Lakers. Right. Or absolutely love them. Yeah, I think the Lakers, you know, they're kind of the exception just because Kobe Bryant. So... You just got to, when you got a legend like that on your team, it's just, you're going to have a big fan base. Right, right. Okay, okay. But my number one complaint about this album, and um, this is my number one complaint. All these guys on Jurassic 5, I recognize they're great MCs. Don't get me wrong. But they don't bring anything different to the table. All four of the MCs. Other than, other than their tone of voice, they all come in to these songs, and as just the exact same flow. <laughs> look, look, look! Hey, what you're saying, you're pretty much telling me, look, guys, I don't like the Migos from from the real quality control. <laughs> I love the Migos, <laughs> right? But you don't they think all they do bring the same something? Thing? No, the oh, Migos, okay. the Migos all have a different. This is why I love the Migos, because the Migos all have a different agenda. They all come in with something different 
to come in with. So, so like for instance, take off, right? He's the bass. He's the bravado. He's the, <gasps> you know, like I, I love that about take off. And then, um, and then you've got, <laughs> and then you've got Quavo, you've got Quavo, who's the guy writing all the hooks, right? He's writing all the, I mean, here, you could do probably do a better Quavo impersonation than me. Yeah, Quavo, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Then you, you got okay. Offset, and then Offset's kind of in the middle. He just hits that. Right. And he's a very fast rapper. He can put out the yeah. most bars. So. But look, you just you just proved my point. Like, that's exactly what they do. If you're only talking about the tone of voice, and if you're... The, the tone of voice is what pretty much Migos does differently. Obviously, the flows alternate. The flows are different with Migos. Well, now, but in the beginning, it all was pretty much about the same flow, just a different different tone of voice. And that's exactly what Jurassic 5 did for the majority of this uh, album, if that's, you know, to go off of your point. Right, but Jurassic 5 makes music that's like literally 10 years lagging behind what innovation is. And if people were to say that Jurassic 5 was the Tribe Called Quest of the West Coast, I think hey, that's look. sorely interpreted because the Tribe Called Quest was innovating in every single album. Jurassic yeah. 5... Was right. trying to pick up on sounds other than, you know, right. you know what? But here's the thing. They do have great production quality. They have great DJs. They have great DJ Newmark and, and Cut Chemist. And those guys, when they're coming in on the track, they're really sampling and scratching and doing all this stuff that, you know, is is awesome. But just the rappers, it's just, I don't know. Look, it's lackluster, look, I, dude. I've never questioned the production quality of this album once. However... You mentioned, you know, in how the uh, Tribe Called Quest have pretty much always innovated with every album. Um, and the fact that we can pretty much call out who these guys sound like is pretty much telling, right? It's like, because they're pretty much doing a newer version of what was already done, right? Whereas Tribe, everything was pretty much new. You couldn't really compare it. You can just point out where the influences might have came from. But with this album, you can for sure pinpoint, okay, that they they trying to work on this <laughs> era uh, style right now. Correct. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, what, <laughs> for me, the only song that I really liked might have been, um, out, you know, outside of the single that we watched, what was that, uh, Quality Control? Um, right. The swing set was interesting to yes, listen to. The very yes. last song. I was going to say the exact same song. The was, swing set. Okay. First thoughts. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. And it, and, and, and it does show off the uh, DJing yeah. capabilities of DJ flex. Newmark and Cut Chemist. I liked it. Big ass flex. Right. Yeah. Um, God damn. That's maybe the only song I would come back to if I really wanted to listen to this album. Because nothing from this album truly jumped out at me and i was jurassic Fo here's the thing man they're where are they in terms of the the, the, the totem pole of hip-hop legendary and respect like the, i knew them because i'm from la and people listen to them but they're not mf so, doom they're right. not you know I don't know where they sit right. in terms they of... They sit in the KRS-One area, probably. No, man. No, they <laughs> definitely don't. No. It's hip-hop education. I can't say that. Do not well, disrespect so KRS-One like listen, that. Listen to me. Based on 
Well, so do KRS One nowadays, man. He he's a little too tough on the new cats, bro. He don't even I don't he hasn't shown any love to the new cats, man. And so he's probably still stuck in the old hip hop ways. And I'm only judging Jurassic Five off of this one album, guys. All right, so this is what I'm gonna say is th the reason why I say KRS One is because these guys seem to be like stuck in the old school, reminiscing about it and trying to uh, trying to revamp it. And that's only based on this album. Again, we don't know even what they're doing right now. But I can imagine they're still on some Golden Age era. Could be, man. But KRS-One, you know, I, I got to defend my man right here. The, the First of all, Boogie Down Productions was the first hip-hop group to make violent hip-hop. And in that regard, Scott LaRock and KRS-One, that's history, bro. Like... In the 80s, no one was doing what they're doing. And then when he went solo after Scott LaRock died, he came out with a blasting debut album. And, and the dude had hits on, I believe, Jive Records, for all I know. It's, I believe it's the same record label that I think Backstreet Boys was on. And um, he had radio hits. He had maybe two or three throughout his career. What does Jurassic 5 have? What, like, in compared to KRS-One? Like, KRS-One is legend, legendary to me. He has a right to be sort of, and, and he, hear me out, he has a right to be angry at modern hip-hop because this dude talked about police brutality his entire career, right? right? And then it wasn't until this year when Lil Baby made a song <laughs> about, about police brutality and, and YG, and it's a good song, and, you know, no one was doing that before. They were all just rapping about money, and so KRS-One was like, Yo, when you got guys like Waka Flocka Flame talking about killing and robbing, you know, oh, like shit. maybe okay. we should. Yeah. Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm with you. And you you actually remind me of something that I thought throughout this whole album was this, listening to this album actually made me really question. Yo, am, am I a am I a rap geek? Like, <laughs> like because if you don't like this album. Well, no, no. So it's like, oh, I'm a rap geek. Like. I actually like rap music, but this right here, this is hip hop. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I started to question, oh shit, I'm I, I'm actually just I just listen to rap. So you music. you are a rap geek. Yeah. Essentially. Right, right. Okay. Whereas and so I mean Where does rap a, start? Does it not what like where do you think rap starts? Right. Little Wayne. Little no, Wayne. No, no way. That's where it starts. Nelly. Not five hundred degrees. Um oh fuck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, you're right. Like where does you huh. see now it gets kind of tough, right? Oh, who is like, that where Memphis does rap? <laughs> oh, you're gonna talk about Tommy Wright the Third? Tommy That's Wright the Third. Started. That's where it starts. That's where rap music was born from. Tommy Wright the Third's Tommy garage <laughs> pressing cassette tapes. You know, Space Ghost Perp might agree with you on that one. Yeah, if, if we're gonna take it back, back, yeah, it's gotta be Tommy Wright the Third. And if anybody could show us anybody older than that that was really talking about some shit, let us know. Cause goddamn. Yeah, I, don't I thought know, it man. started in 06. <laughs> you know what I mean? When Drake and Wayne started coming out and jerking music Jesus, started coming man. out. Shout out LA for making jerking and um, positivity in the same city. You know what? Maybe the Ghetto Boys. Yeah? Could be the Ghetto Boys. Because they, they, were, they were on some shit. They were on some angry shit. I would yeah. call them hip-hop, bro. I would call them hip-hop. And... And why do and what's my what is my line between rap and hip hop really? 
I think I think my first instinct is to say level of consciousness, level of jazz influence. Um, I you know I think yeah I think we could definitely we should definitely take that into consideration the the level of obvious um jazz inspiration that a song has whether it be in the just the the bop you know in in the yeah. rhythm or the instrumentation. Um, but definitely, I would say just the level of obvious consciousness. In in somebody like Kendrick, will make a he'll make a rap song and a hip hop song. We have "Sing About Me," and we also have uh, what's that? I remember sheriff sandwiches and crime allowances. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So it's like, um, but but the essence of consciousness is still in a song like that with Kendrick, right? Like whatever he's saying is it's poetry still. And so I think, and so I would say that's hip hop. So the line is definitely has to be taken on a case by case basis when it comes to rap versus hip hop. And this was all, this was all hip hop to me, this, this album. Yeah, it's hip hop and I love hip hop and you love hip hop, but this is, uh, this is not original hip hop. And I think that, that, that's where my, my lack of really emotions toward this comes. So that sounds like a you know real hip hop head type statement that you just made. You What's what, real hip hop? The real, real hip hop heads do like this because this is older than what most people say real hip hop, right? Most people that say real hip hop they stop at the '90s, but this sounds again. We're talking treacherous three. Clap your hands, everybody! Curtis <laughs> Blowhead ass. You know what I mean? Like that's Grandmaster Flash, <laughs> right? Furious Five sounding ass. You know what I mean? So like. This hip hop for me stops at the '90s, pretty much. That's just where it's at. And so, again, you know, my whole point really was to say that, yeah, I am a rap geek. I am. I can. I cannot claim I'm a hip hop head, really. Okay, I respect the man. So, I mean, that that's that that's my uh, my take on the album. I got this. Might be the shortest one we ever do, but like, you got anything else, man? Um, I really don't. I hey guys, I do say check the album out. It's super clean. You can. Play I don't it with say check kids. the album out. I don't <laughs> say that. I say give it a chance, y'all. What you talking about? At least I say listen to some brand Nubian. Listen to some <laughs> De La Soul. Listen to a tribe called Quest. Even listen to the Far Side for all I care. But do not. This is not <laughs> on my recommendation. Interscope lost money on this. <laughs> oh God, Lee! Oh my God! We need uh, we need those bombs. We need a uh, Charlie Sloth bombs for that we need one. A well, damn, well, you were. Uh, that's it, man. Well, you know, in Rap Geeks fashion, wherever you find podcasts, please give us a like, and if you're on YouTube, please give us a subscribe. If you like this album and you don't like our take on it, please leave comments. We do try to respond. Right, this Tr- has convince been us. Try to convince huh? us to listen to this album or not. Yes, or, yes. Please tell us I mean? why we're wrong. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, that's This is a conclusion of the Rap Geeks episode of Jurassic 5's Quality Control. Thank you guys for listening. We I love the hell out of y'all for doing that. Again, it's the Rap Geeks. My name is Aaron. My name is Sean. Playback appeal, baby. Thank y'all. Peace.